This is the Inside Slant Football Podcast. And here we go, here we go. Brought to you by JayhawkSlant.com. Broadcasting around the world. Around the world. We have the latest on KU recruiting, analysis, and what the coaches and players are saying behind the scenes. Here are your hosts, Randy Withers and John Kirby. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Randy Withers. Welcome into another edition of the Inside Slant pregame football podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. This one's going to be a lot of fun because we're watching the baby Jayhawks grow up right before our eyes. Lance Leipold has this team in his second year in Lawrence, 2-0, headed for... Houston, Texas, for a battle with the University of Houston Cougars. It's going to be a fantastic matchup. We are going to preview everything about that. We're going to look back on the big win, the Big 12 opening win on the road over West Virginia. Talk about what stood out in the win over the Mountaineers. Look ahead to the matchup with Houston. Give our predictions. Touch a little bit on recruiting. And then we'll be joined by Orange Bowl captain Brandon McAnderson, who was there on the sidelines last Saturday in Morgantown to tell us what it was like to be a part of that amazing atmosphere as the Jayhawks won in overtime. Before we get into all that, let me bring in our publisher and my partner, John Kirby. John, how you doing today? Randy, man, hey, like you said, it's a lot more fun to do these, right, when the when there's excitement and the, the team's playing well and people can see what Lance Leipold's doing with the program and it, you know what, Randy, when's the last time that you've been able to talk about, like when we're doing our predictions, right? And you're like, God, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm actually got to think about KU on the road. Can they win this game? Can they be in it? Yeah, they're going to be in it. And now another week, you know, we'll hear our predictions later on. But, you know, there's this sense of, hey, KU's going to find a way to be in this game. I mean, you know, it's changing right there, and you can just sense it with the fans and the people that I talk with. And it's been kind of a a cool deal just to watch the evolution of things as they've kind of been built. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's worth noting. John, in the time that you and I have been doing these podcasts, this is the first time that we are talking about a 2-0 undefeated Kansas football program that has won their first two matchups, including a win on the road against a Big 12 opponent. I mean, we are we are in some serious uncharted water right, right. now, John. We, we don't know what to do with ourselves at 2-0. We, That's we, exactly, <laughs> I'm like euphoric right now. I'm like, I don't even know if this is real life, John Kirby. <laughs> hey, we, gotta, we do have to tell everybody. Hang with us through this. We we did experience some some technical difficulties with the mics mm-hmm. and things. So hopefully we make it through us. But if we if we come a little, in a little fuzzy at times, hang through us and and we'll definitely get through this. Yeah, if we sound a little funny, just chalk it up to the fact that we are still just euphoric over <laughs> the fact these two and O Jayhawks and just let it go. Have fun with it, you know. Speaking of having fun, John, let's let's welcome on. This is the first time that we've done this too. We have our first official sponsor of the Inside Slant podcast. Tell us a little bit about team driven fundraising. Yeah, you know, Randy, over the years, and I posted this on the board, and I know people were making fun of me, but I've been <laughs> I've been kind of picky with people who say, you know, we want to sponsor, or we want to do this, and and you know, I've number one. 
you know, I've had a couple nice sponsor opportunities that I've passed up on. And, you know, one of them, they wanted me to read two different one minute segments. And I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm loyal to the listeners or, you know, however you want to phrase it. But I was like, man, so I got to read two minutes worth of stuff. And, and our listeners out there, you know, they want to hear about KU sports. They want to hear about, you know, what's going on. They want to hear our take. They want to hear whatever, whatever our thoughts are, yeah. whatever we're talking about. And I just always mm-hmm. felt that, you know, if you do this, are you really interrupting the podcast? And, you know, are you are you ruining the experience? But I thought it was interesting that the people on the board were like, hey, you guys, go, go get a couple sponsors if people want to sponsor it. So... Somebody reached out to me, uh, a good poster on the board, uh, KU guy, and he's got a company called TeamDrivenFundraising.com, and he said, hey, you know, I'd love to be involved in one of your podcasts, and so I said, you know what, KU guy, and, you know, maybe people get on there and support him and, and, and what they're doing with their business, so if you're if you're out there and you're looking for fundraising, check out TeamFundraising.com. I know we've posted it on the board, a link to their website. I tweeted it out on the Jayhawks Slant Twitter. So, hey, we do appreciate it. And these kind of things help us, you know, uh, when we get sponsorships like this, it, it does help us to get through. And hey, you know what? As I talked about technical difficulties, maybe we take that money and, and upgrade the mics. So yes, there we go. We <laughs> could do a little reinvestment to increase the, the, the quality of the product. That's what it's all about. That's right. So yes, Big thank you to Team Driven Fundraising for your support of the Inside Slant podcast. So now let's get into the meat of this thing. John, I'm going to say it again. The Jayhawks are 2-0 with a big win at West Virginia. Were you surprised? I mean, was this – did you see this coming? I know you said there were ways they could win, but deep down, did did you think that we would be in this position right now? You know, Randy, I don't know that I would have bet money on it, but you know, in the last podcast, and I and I said this on the guys' border patrol on on eight ten, mm-hmm. I said I expect Kansas to be ready to play. I expect a competitive game, and I did say I thought this game would be a close game. I predicted West Virginia to win, but it it didn't surprise me that Kansas won. Um, hey, well, here's one thing I learned: the Jayhawks play really good in the rain. You know, no I, doubt. I don't know if anybody's really no talked doubt. about that yet. But you know, the rain, it, it was it was just a it was kind of a weird second half because mm-hmm. you could feel Kansas come out and they score, they they take the momentum in the second half, the rain starts falling, and then when they start showing the crowd in the stands, people are like filtering out, right? They're like, Hey, I'm not gonna sit in this rain. So mm-hmm. it, it was just all a kind of a a wild scene because Kansas starts taking the momentum and you even heard the TV announcers go, I don't like the body language from the players at West Virginia. You, the rain's coming down. This, this crowd was supposed to be in West Virginia side. It starts thinning out. So, you know, listen, they got down, they got down 14 points twice on the road. Okay. Um, that shows to me the confidence that they have. And we keep talking, going back and talking about culture. I heard Lance Leipold on Hawk Talk say you could see the look in their eyes, okay? I mean, last year they were on that tough, tough road game at Texas where they were challenged to the very end and they won. So, you know, these kids are starting to believe in the system and the culture. You know, the offense looked great. And and we're going to talk about that in this podcast. But I think what KU is doing schematically right now is going to be a big challenge for a lot of defenses. 
Speaking of defense, the KU defense, they came up, they got stops when they needed, shut West Virginia out in the third quarter. They were pitching a shutout for a while there in the fourth quarter. The defense stepped up and made some plays. Um, mm-hmm. They did not let West Virginia run the ball up and down the field like we thought there was a possibility because West Virginia's got a physical front. Um, you know, and and I, and I got to tell you this too. This is something that hasn't been talked about. I mentioned this on Sunday in my 10 thoughts in the game. Special teams played really well. I yes, mean, they did. I, you know, Vernon, I think he was 44 and a half yards a punt. They recovered. Uh, Tory Lachlan recovered the the punt, the muff well, punt. It, and, and maybe the most important part of that play was the first man downfield that avoided the punt returner to what they did. Oh, you know, yeah. Avo- the, he avoided the kick catch interference. I was when that happened, it was like. That's critical. And I, the fact yeah. that they were able to re- – you I think you said on the board you thought it was Skinner. I'm pretty and, certain it was Quentin Skinner. But it, and but here's the thing. If you rewatch that play, I don't know that he avoided him. I think he did it on purpose. I think he ran past that punt returner on purpose and he to totally him. distracted uh-huh. him on that ball. So, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I had a chance to talk to Skinner today and I didn't even think about – bringing that up but you listen West Virginia it's a great win you know the old 24 mm-hmm. hour rule come back enjoy the plane ride back and then get to business and focus on Houston absolutely I mean that's that's the thing this is this is a game that just gosh even two weeks ago people on our board were saying why didn't we buy our way out of this game why are we doing this why are we going to Houston going on the road against a quality a, you know, a quality non-conference, soon-to-be conference opponent. I mean, it's it's uh, is this is a tough matchup, and you know we've talked about it. Clayton Toon, somebody that you and I know very well. You know, I I will never forget watching him go toe to toe with Graham Mertz at uh, KU camp, and and really the two of them just put on an absolute show throwing the throwing the football. And David Beatty and his staff, they did the best they could. We ended up with neither one of them. But Toon has he has been a factor for that offense. He's helped them make some plays. They've got just as you would expect. They've got speed at receiver. I mean, this is this is a really really interesting matchup. And I'm still, you know, I there's part of me I know it's not time to, for predict, predictions yet, John. But I've been thinking about this all day. I haven't picked them yet this year. Part of me thinks I need to continue to ride that wave. And not pick the Jayhawks in hopes that the Jayhawks will still win. So I, I don't know where I'm going to be on that. So let's, you know, before we get into all that stuff, it's worth noting that we can't have a better guest on this show than a man who was on the sidelines in Morgantown, was around the team during those crucial moments and got the opportunity to see the celebration up close a guy that knows what this program looks like when it is at its absolute peak i'm talking about our man brandon mcanderson he joins us now john's going to bring him in on the studio line to tell us about the victory over west virginia and give us his most recent take on this kansas program i'm going to welcome in our guest for this podcast former ku captain of the orange bowl team sideline reporter for the Jayhawks, and this guy knows his KU football, Brandon McAnderson. Brandon, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, you know, in my intro there, I almost said the bruising, smashing running back, but, you know, people forget there were some times now you got in the open space and you'd surprise some people and pull away from guys. 
Yeah, that's what uh, you know. I always called it my uh, my great deception <laughs> that I could. I didn't have a lot of top end speed, but I could get to it pretty quickly. You know, so it was it it happened suddenly. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, listen. I mean, take us back to Saturday. You're on the sidelines. You're you're at the West Virginia game. I mean, just talk about what it was like being on the sideline, observing the team, and then being with the team after the game. You know, this has been interesting because it's kind of been like two consecutive debut weeks, especially for people like us who really get to watch the team in the offseason. And everything that I saw, I was so excited about. And I had been getting to the point where I didn't want to say it. And this last couple of weeks, I was like, screw it. I'm saying it. <laughs> this is a team that I think is going to be pretty good. So, you know, Tennessee Tech, they come out and play great, but you're still, you know, Tennessee Tech, they were not a good team. Come out of West Virginia, really struggle in the open and look a lot like Kansas teams of old, you know, with some undisciplined plays, some, you know, guys trips and coverage, you know, lots of penalties. And I'm thinking, you know, I actually wasn't thinking this, but I could see how people could think, oh, no, you know, this is a similar looking Kansas team. I didn't have those concerns. I thought that their resilience and a guy playing quarterback for them is as resilient as anybody in the conference. And, and boy, did they turn it around and become the team that uh, we were hoping they would be. And I'm, I, they're just getting started. I think there's still plenty of upside on them. It was great being with them and seeing them come out and pull such a you know dramatic finish. But it also just shows, I think, their level of confidence in each other is what inspired me the most to think they really had a chance. And you could really see that in that game. So, you know, just talk about some things that stood out to you from that game in all phases. What what caught your attention? Man, John, everything. (laughs) Everything. There were so many big plays in that game. It's like you can't even remember them. You know, down 14-0 with pressure in his face and a a covered receiver, Jalen Daniels finds, you know, Jared Casey for a first down on fourth down. That was huge. Romello Dotson on JT Daniels scrambled towards the goal line flies in there, puts his body on the line, stops JT Daniels at the one. They have consecutive penalties and end up settling for a field goal. You know, uh, late in the game when everybody's dog tired and Kansas' defensive line is fresh, Jeremy Robinson tears down the line of scrimmage, slams the guy on the ground. There's just – there are so many indications of commitment, and it is refreshing to see how they've manifested on the field. You know, they're a team that's a low-mistake team. But they also, like, their passing game execution has been incredible. You know, I think one of the things that I worried about coming into the year was that not that they didn't have talent at receiver. It was just people playing new roles and needing to step up. And everyone stepped up. You know, you think about wide receiver groups as, oh, they've got this guy, that guy. When you think about Kansas' wide receivers, it's just a group of dogs, guys that block their tails off. You know, there's no drops. There's no missed routes. You know, there's no, I mean, these guys have been so consistent in both phases of the game. I think, you know, this is a group they should be very proud of early, early season performance. All right. So I want to turn this back to 2007. Okay. And I remember that mm-hmm. season. And, and here's the reason I ask you this question. Cause when I'm, when I'm around the team, when I was around the team in fall camp and, and during the week, you definitely feel a confidence and it's not, it's not a cockiness. It's not, and it's not false bravado, but you feel a confidence. And I remember 2007, you guys kept winning, right? You kept winning. And at some point everybody kept saying, okay, they'll probably lose to lose to Oklahoma state this week, or they'll lose to A&M. Everybody kept thinking, but you guys just kept building that confidence. How important is it for a group of guys, a football team to develop that confidence, which seems like what they're doing now. 
I think it's very, very difficult, but very important. And what's interesting about this group is I feel like the group that we were in 2017, we had something to build off of. You know, the season before, we, you know, two seasons before we went to a bowl game. 2006, we probably should have won 10 games. So we had a self-belief. We knew, you know, we can, we're going to beat our non-conference teams easily. Now it's about what we do in conference. And then we had to step up and go to Manhattan and win a big one. This team is doing it without a foundation. You know, they only had the, the three games at the end of the season where, you know, they won one and lost two close ones. So it's not like they've had a bunch of experience winning. And they look like a team that is kind of tired of the noise. You know, it, it took, you know, 30, 40 times did you hear from West Virginia people, this isn't Tennessee Tech. You heard it on the broadcast two or three times. You heard it on the radio broadcast two or three times. They were tired of hearing it. They knew what they were going up against. They knew it was a challenge, and they stepped up to it. They have a collective confidence that that I think is a carryover from the coaching staff. I know that you get. I know that part of why Kansas is having so much early season success, early tenure success under Lance Leipold, is because we inherited his culture, and you got to see that within player evaluations, weight room, uh, off the field stuff. Now you're seeing that culture transfer onto the field. They have a self belief because of their staff because of their creativity, because their collective knowledge. It's been a pleasure to watch them get this thing started. I think it's only the beginning. What do you expect from the team this week? And, I mean, how do you see the Houston game? I see it just like every game on their schedule, if I'm being honest with you, John. A game where they should go out and compete and probably will have a chance to win at the end. And it has, you know, this is something I talked about earlier in the season also. There's teams with new quarterbacks. There's just a bunch of stuff going on, and and Kansas, the guy they have at quarterback, is very special. His control of the game, his ability to handle pressure, his ability to be unfazed on the road. This team is averaging 46 points a game in Big 12 road games with Jalen Daniels at quarterback. Small sample size, but that's three Big 12 road games, 46 points a game. That is major. So this guy is a big-time player, and when he's back there, we have a chance. All right, last question for you, and this is something that that I know you would have a good opinion on. They broke out the option game. They didn't show it last year at all. They didn't show it against Tennessee Tech. I think Jason Bean maybe ran one play. And, I mean, it felt like they took West Virginia by storm. Like they had no idea what to even do. You know how hard that is, is that when you're a defensive coordinator in a defense and somebody is pulling something out that you weren't even prepared for and they're doing it successfully. You know, I think I don't think that's why that worked, though. I think it worked because Andy Kotelnicki and staff are constantly testing your eye discipline. Now, they didn't have a lot of option football. When I hear option football, I think of veer football. It's not that. Yeah, it's more right. Zone, it's more zone read, more, more traditional zone read with multiple options post the initial action. That's difficult, but I don't know if that's why it's difficult as much as they test your eye discipline nonstop. You, there's motion guys coming across, and if you're a linebacker, yeah, you got to keep your eye on the motion guy, but what happens when that tight end slips past you for a touchdown? What happens when that running back slips past you for a touchdown? What happens when he pulls it? What happens when he gives it as an outside run? Can I get outside there behind the tackle? Can I make that play in the alley? I don't know. Can I get off this double team here and get down the line? So it's, to me, it's more, it is option football. And it is something that you have to be disciplined about. But their element of the, that quick passing game makes it nearly impossible. And it's not, you know, that's, that's good. That stuff is all good on its own. But now they run the play, and now you've got to tackle Devin Neal. You've got to tackle Daniel Hyshaw. 
You got to tackle Jalen Daniels, who's elusive and quick and strong. They got pitchmen that with top end speed like Luke Grimm. Like it is, it is about the options. It is asking. It is making that defense play disciplined football. But as much as it is the options that they can go with, it is the constant testing of your eye discipline, constant testing of your defensive strength. Can you remember a Kansas team that had more pre snap shifts in the first two games? I mean, we're not even talking about motions, just shifts. You know, they are constantly testing where the defense is going to call strength and can they stay in that strength. That impacts a lot of how they call the defense on the back end. They are dictating what a defense can do by shifts, by motions, by having good players, and then by having good execution. Because we talk about the motions, we talk about all the movements, but there's a group of five men that make that possible. And this offensive line group has been amazing. You know, I I would never have imagined Kansas could play a West Virginia game against the Steels, and you never hear his name. Those guys have been completely disruptive with the Jayhawks offense the two times they faced him since I've been covering the team. We didn't hear about Steels. That group has been fantastic. They'll have to be fantastic again because Houston has a pretty big-time edge guy. But I think it's everything, John. I think it's option. I think it's execution. I think it's good players, and I think it's that constant testing of the eye discipline. Folks, that is Brandon McAnderson. He's always one of the fan favorites that we have on to talk KU football. Hey, Brandon, have a good trip to Houston, man. Look forward to listening to you guys and having you on again. Absolutely. We'll see you soon. All right, take care. All right, man. All right, J.K., I want to play this clip from Brian Borland that we got today uh, during media availability. You asked him about being a defensive coordinator and what it would be like if he was trying to prepare his squad to go against this explosive Kansas Jayhawk offense, which I just want to say that again, this explosive Kansas Jayhawks offense. Let's hear from Brian Borland. Yeah, if you were preparing for our offense, yeah, yeah that'd be kind of rough, right? Um, yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole other element of things. And you got to consider what you do, what you can do and what you can't do based on that. I think it, uh, probably simplifies teams a little bit defensively. And, um, so that ultimately I think that works in your favor, but that, that takes a lot of work to when you've got all the option phases and, and it comes at you a lot of different ways. It's, uh, um, yeah, it, and I'm sure there's a lot of coaches, defensive coaches, sweating that out this week. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hopeful that Houston won't come out and try to duplicate all that stuff. But I guess if they do, I guess we've we've prepared for it. Or we've worked against it a lot, so uh, I think we know what to do, what we'd want to do at least. So, Kirby, I thought that was a really interesting response from Kansas defensive coordinator. Yeah, you know, Randy, during the press conference, it was toward the end, and I just I wanted to ask him, you know, um, when you're a defensive coordinator and Kansas now has the option game on film, and, and this is not to be taken lightly because, mm-hmm. because Kansas can go four wide, they can go hurry up, they can go slow, they can play physical, they can go option, they can go quarterback run game, and... I'll tell you, in my time, I've had a chance to talk to enough football coaches after doing this for as long as I have. And when you get to talking to defensive guys, that is one of the biggest things that drives them up a wall, okay, is when you have to face somebody that can do so many things, the prep time that it takes. You know, Randy, you only have so many times. Like, when the the players come back, I think they're off Sundays, okay? Mm -hmm. Then you have limited on Monday. And then you have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I mean, you only have so long. This isn't like the NFL, 
Okay, you only mm-hmm. have so long to put in a game plan and talk to guys and your defense about, hey, this is what they're going to work on. And right now, if you're Houston's defensive coordinator and you've got to prepare for Kansas, you now have an entirely different deal on film after watching West Virginia. And I mean, Dana Holgerson joked that it was like preparing for Navy. Okay, and some people thought that they they were saying that KU's offense was compared to Navy, as in that Navy's offense hasn't been playing well. No, that's not what he was saying. Listen, I remember when Kansas played Georgia Tech, all right? Mm-hmm. And I will never forget those Kansas defensive coaches. Bill Miller was one of them. And and I remember Bill Miller telling me when they scheduled Georgia Tech, he goes, why would we schedule Georgia Tech? He goes, you don't schedule option teams. He goes, it's the dumbest thing you could <laughs> do. He goes, because you have to spend so much time preparing for one game. Okay, Mm -hmm. he he Mm -hmm. joked. He says that you lose the prep time because you prepare for something that you're never used to. All right. And then he goes and then you prepare the next week of getting all your D linemen healthy because in an option offense, they're always cutting you and everything. Right. They're cut Mm -hmm. blocking and they're they're hammering your knees. And so my point is, is that now Kansas has a so many different things on film. I just wanted to ask Brian Borland as a D.C., what's it what would it be like? preparing for Kansas offense and all that they do. And you heard him say right there, he, he wouldn't want to do it. So I thought that was interesting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, Houston is up next. And this Cougar squad, they're an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. John, let's break this thing down. Tell us what you think when you look at this Houston team. You've had a chance to do the advanced scouting on them. After you've had a chance to look at them, what do you think – and, and what's your prediction for this matchup on Saturday? Well, I've watched them. I watched them against uh, UTSA, and then I watched them against Texas Tech. Um, they're, a, they're a hard team to s- describe and a hard team to figure out, personally for me. You know, they on, on offense, they're talented. They are very talented at the skill positions. Now, something to keep an eye on, there, and I, and I forget his name, but number 20, their, their best running back is number 20, and he is really good. And he, there, there is talk he could be out. So we're going to have to see through the week. Uh, Dana Holgerson wouldn't rule him out, but he wasn't going to say that he's ready to play either. So that would hurt them. But Kansas is going to have to be, the secondary is going to be tested because they will line up in four wide sets and they've got number 10 and number one. And these guys can flat out fly. They will be two of the faster wide receivers that Kansas sees on a field this year. Number one is an absolute burner. The Their offensive line's solid, okay? I don't think their offensive line's any better than West Virginia, but they're solid. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to Clayton Toon, okay? So, you know, we, you and I sat there together for two hours and watched him in mm-hmm. Lawrence, Kansas at Friday Night Light Camp. You remember that? I mean, yes. Graham Mertz and him were putting on a show. They were throwing balls for two hours on the money. It was yep. That was something I'll always remember. Um, you know, Randy, I, I don't want to say this because the minute I say this, Kansas is just – he'll go out and just light KU's defense up. But something just something's just not clicking there. Clayton Toon's a talented player. I, I've talked to – you know, I've, I've already heard coaches on KU staff think he's a talented player. Um, I've talked to other people who've played against him who say he's a talented player. But their offense, 
I mean, they're averaging somewhere like in the mid 300s against UTSA and, and and Texas Tech. They have better talent than that. For whatever reason, their pass game just doesn't always click. Sometimes the timing's off. Sometimes the throws aren't there. But then, boy, I'll tell you, when it does, they look really good. And one of the things the KU defense is going to have to really work on this weekend, some of, some of the best plays that Houston runs is when, when they're covered, Toon takes off and gets seven, eight yards because he's not a slow guy. He's athletic and he he can run. So, mm-hmm. you know, offensively, you know, they're going to be a challenge, but they're not going to be, at least everything that I've seen, it's not something that you say, oh, man, the defense is really in for it. I mean, the defense can limit them. On the defensive side of the ball, when you, when you look at KU um, or Houston, they've got some guys in the front seven. And they're pretty active. Uh, their defensive end, uh, Derek Parrish, he is a he is a freak. He comes off the edge. They got another guy on the other end, Anthony Jones. He's really good. They're pretty stout in the middle. Their front seven is their strength. I do think there's some weakness in the secondary with Houston. I think the Kansas wide receivers can get open. And you know, again, we we talk about this option. We talk about the different schemes. We talk about a lot of ways Kansas can attack you now. So, you know, the one thing that Houston gets that West Virginia didn't get is Houston now has a week of film to study from the West Virginia game. So, you know, they're, they're going to be ready for some more things that Kansas showed that West Virginia was not ready for. Now, I want to talk about one other thing, special teams. And I'm telling you right now, there is no way that Kansas punts it to the Dell kid. He's the punt returner, and he is electric. He is one of the best punt returners in the country. He's a game changer. He about changed a game last week at Texas Tech, and I don't know why they kicked to him, but this guy can fly. So um, <laughs> if he fields a clean punt, I'll be upset. because. I, but I, I have confidence that KU special teams knows what he can do, and they will try to kick away from it. I said last week, Going on the road, I said Kansas would be ready to play. I said it would be a good game. It'd be a competitive game. And I feel that same way going to Houston. I feel KU's got more confidence. Uh, They're nine-point dogs. I know it's not going to be an easy game, okay? I I didn't have enough courage to go with the Jayhawks last week, but I teetered on it, okay? I I, I said the whole time, it's going to be close. It's going to be competitive. But this time I do. I'm going to go with the Jayhawks to win this game. 31-28. Give me yours. That's a, that's a close win on the road there, Kirby, over a very good non-conference opponent. So, gosh, when I look at this one, the thing I kind of keep going back to is, you know, thinking about the fact that Houston's head coach is a guy by the name of Dana Holgerson. Dana Holgerson was once the head coach at the University of West Virginia. Dana Holgerson's eyes are wide open right now after seeing what the Jayhawks did on the road against a, a, a talented West Virginia squad that they were able to take them after, like you said, going down not once but twice falling behind by 14 points and showing the resiliency and the grit. And not only that, but they that showing that they had the talent to hang with West Virginia like that was a huge win. 
Holgerson and his staff have their eyes wide open. They are prepared for this game. Like you said, the the most important thing, one of my good friends that's a football coach, Tim Grunhardt, he always talks about it. He said, you know, the most important thing you have as a coach, the most valuable thing are reps. And they are going to eat up a ton of reps of, of the work that Houston can try to get in this week with that limited time frame that you mentioned trying to prepare for this option attack, the option, the wide zone, all the different things that they're that the KU offense is doing right now. I think I'm going to go with you on this one, John. But I think it's going to be a little bigger in regards to the differential. I see Kansas going on the road. I see them winning this one by 7 to 10 points. I am going to say, I'm going to say they actually win 42-20 at Houston. Wow. <laughs> I wow. feel good about this game. I I really I think we've got a tremendous opportunity here to go and make a statement and and come back to Lawrence. You know, people have already kind of been talking about it, John. The the potential to roll into Lawrence with a chance to go 4-0 with that game against Duke. And I'm, you know what? I am I'm in. I have wanted it's been so long. We've never gotten a chance to get overly excited about this team. We've never gotten a chance to get too fired up to where you're like, "Randy, you got to you, you know, maybe you need to ease back. Maybe you're going a little too far." No, I am taking every opportunity. Jayhawks going to win this game. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to continue to make a statement and for all, there are going to be even more people starting to ask, wow, where is Kansas in regards to the three local schools in Kansas City? And do they have potentially the best situation with a coach and quarterback of all three of them? But that's a whole different discussion for right now. Well, hey, it sounds like you better go get on one of those betting apps and put that money where the mouth is. You know, hey, you know what? I I do not claim to know enough about anything to be putting money on it, but at the same time, I do feel good about this game. So I might three, just have three to do touchdowns, it. three touchdowns. <laughs> you know, I, I well, and, and, you know, my math is not great. I was a journalism kid. There was a reason <laughs> for that. So maybe, you know, I, I maybe 14, 17 points. I don't know about, you know, oh, I, you I don't can't know. you can't walk it back now. You cannot walk it back. All right, fine. Forty two twenty. Let's go. <laughs> I don't want to get ahead of things here, John, but I, you know, Let's play the what if game a little bit here. If if KU can go on the road and as both of us predicted, get another win, what does that mean to this program in year two under Lance Leipold? Well, I'll tell you what it means. It means that um all the guys in the athletic department that oversee concessions are probably gonna wanna double the beer that <laughs> The, double just double everything they're, they're gonna need to call they're gonna need to call in and double double the reinforcements on the alcohol for the duke game mm-hmm. and they're probably gonna need to tell papa Kino's to double the pizza output oh um, no doubt hey no listen, doubt if if you're playing the if game the what if game if kansas wins this game and you know what randy i don't even know if they have to win if they're two and one and, and play a competitive loss to houston but if they win and they're three and oh and duke is three and oh Okay, and and I'm not I'm I'm not being that guy here, but you're going to have people. They will have this thing. The national media 
will be billing this thing up as the two of the greatest basketball programs in the history of the game are getting it done on the football field, and they're going to be meeting undefeated. You, you'll have guys on ESPN, Fox, they'll all be talking about that game. It may not be mm-hmm. the best game of the weekend or anything, but it will have people's attention. And you know what? That's the type of game you will see KU fans rally around. There there will be people who haven't been to a KU football game in 10 years get a ticket to go see that. There'll, there'll be over 40,000 people in that stadium if that happens. So, hey, you know what? Let's do this. You asked me the what-if question. Let's Let's pick this question up next time, next week at this time, and see where we're sitting. And you know what? We will do just that. Now, in the meantime, let's talk a little bit of recruiting before we wrap this thing up. I know you said there's not a lot going on right now because obviously it's tricky with in-season recruiting and KU has been on, you know, they're on the road for a second straight week. But even with all that, I'm curious to know what impact does a win like the one against West Virginia have on recruits? And and I'm going to ask, what if early? What if they continue to keep playing like this? Yeah, you know, Randy, I posted some of the recruits' reaction to the game and and some of their thoughts, and you know, it it, it does mean something. It shows the recruits that the program is going in the right direction. I don't know what impact it has on key guys in the twenty twenty three class, especially locally around here, who've already made decisions or already kind of formulated their opinion. I think this will have more an effect of a, on the twenty twenty four guys. Mm-hmm. Maybe some junior college transfers, some portal guys, right? Portal, Be- absolutely. Yeah, portal, absolutely. Guys. Um, you know, I, I think what we'll see also as well. I think we'll see a pretty good showing of recruits at Duke. I could see, and you know, it, that it's going to be, be a big recruiting day. Well, but you got to remember something. There, there I believe there. I got to go back and look. I think there's some other good games that weekend. I can't. Is K State at Oklahoma? I can't remember who's K State might be at Oklahoma that week. But anyways. Um, I'll have to go back and look at those. But I could see 50-plus recruits easy for the Duke game. Now, they're not all going to be D1 prospects. You know, there will be no. some local guys who get invited. But it's going to be a chance to show up a, a, a good atmosphere. It, it has been slow, Randy, but you're going to see things pick up. I, I think KU, from things I've heard, they've got around 100 recruits they're ready to offer in this 2024 class this month alone. So they've been... They've been burning the midnight oil. You know, you got game film going on, and then you got the recruiting department over here, you know, looking up guys on film and, and researching them and getting them in front of the the position coaches to get the offer signed off on. Um, hey, I, I do want to mention a few O-linemen, though, that, that I've been following. And, okay. and I just wrote the story on Buffalo Cruz from City Such College. Such an awesome name. Yeah, and, you know, great great kid and great story to tell about, mm-hmm. you know, quitting football, was going to join the military, was a D-end, he came back as an O-lineman, and he comes back and he finds a position there, and now he's got over 10 D-1 offers. So That's I, awesome. I think I think there's a chance he'll visit. Another one that I just actually just had some uh, contact with right before the podcast here Judea Milan. He's an offensive lineman, uh, offensive tackle from Tyler Juco. He's he's going to start picking up some offers from a lot of people. Uh, Kansas, Kansas has been on him. I think he may visit uh, in high school. A 2023 high school guy, offensive lineman Kevin Terry down in Florida, 
committed to Temple right now, but that's Jim Panagos' area. I think Panagos mm-hmm. starting to make some inroads with him. Um, he he told me, hey, let's set up an interview and talk. So you know, it'll be interesting. Th- those are just a few linemen I'm just throwing out because right now, Randy, you just you can't get a beat really on who you know who the next commitment might be or the you know kids that are still looking at setting up official visits. And I've said this and I still say it. I still see maybe seven more high school kids in this class, and I think they'll look at the portal to to continue what they they built last year through the portal. It won't be as heavy in this class, but I still think uh, if you're looking at a number of 25, I think you'll see maybe seven more high school kids committed and then maybe 10 transfer portal-type guys. That is the final word from our man John Kirby. That is That wraps it up for – Another edition of the Inside Slant pregame podcast. You've heard our predictions for the matchups against Houston. You've heard us break down the huge win at West Virginia. We've talked recruiting. We've also talked about our first sponsor of the Inside Slant podcast. And we better talk about them again one more time. Thanks to our friends, our some good KU folks at Team Driven Fundraising. John, give us a tell us about them one more time before we close it out here. Yeah, it's it's uh teamdrivenfundraising.com go check them out they're K- KU uh some KU connections in there and and I thought they'd be a good sponsor to bring on and hopefully uh you know people go give them some looks on their website absolutely if you you know if you are a coach you have a sports team if you know a youth group whatever it might be if you need fundraising for your organization give those guys a look reach out to them tell them that you heard about them on the Inside Slant podcast from jayhawkslant.com, and they will be happy to help you however they can. For my man John Kirby, I'm Randy Withers. You've been listening to the Inside Slant podcast from jayhawkslant.com. We will talk to you again soon. This has been a podcast from jayhawkslant.com. 